0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Abram Kibalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Coming up to El on Shabbos and Sunday, uh, I called on my dear, dear friend, uh, Rabbi Mark Gottlieb, who is the uh, director of the Senior Director of the Tikva Foundation and the founder of the Tikva. Mark, what is it, the Tikvah High School? What would you call that Tikvah? You're the you're The dean. Institute for High School Students. Yeah, the Tikvah Institute for High School Students, which if people do not know about it, is probably takes some of the best and brightest young minds, especially before they've become entrenched to the point that you can't teach them anything. And they actually are ex- in a way that is always uh, intellectually exciting um, and really building the leader's of the next generation mark is so uh, heavily involved in that besides that mark is also an accomplished writer who uh, he has been published in first things a lot of very important articles i would say too is the rov of the kahal lev ladas which is one of the unique shoals in that wonderful jewish metropolis so to speak of tinek where uh, Mark and his co-rov, Rabbi Braun, uh, really prove the adage how Torah is the great, great equalizer, and how it's really able to be used as a way to foster inclusivity and understanding and closeness to God. So, Mark, I know that I know that you're going to pay tribute today <clears throat> to someone that I was not familiar with, but it would seem. Uh, his legacy definitely needs to be extolled and how, how the big schools that Rav uh, Matasio Rosenblum uh, has for Rabbi Mark Gottlieb or Mordechai Gottlieb uh, to be able to give over words uh, from his ideas.
1: So, Mark, thank you so much. The pleasure, of, of the, the The irony, the subtle irony that I'm about to pay tribute to a man that I never met is not lost on me. Um, but I have to say that when you reached out of and asked me to to speak today, it didn't take me more than a couple of seconds to realize that I wanted to share some Torah from Rav Matisio Rosenblum Zatzal, uh, a man that I confess I never met. Uh, I I did have... I do have a couple of connections to Rabbi Rosenblum. Uh, the first is his through his older brother, uh, Rabbi Yonason, a very distinguished journalist and thinker and uh, author of magisterial biographies of Gedolim, um, of Dessler, most recently a, a fantastically rich biography of Rav Noach Weinberg, and i've been friendly uh through the years with Rav son and he he has he's mentioned his his younger brother his his youngest brother um but as i said i i never met the man the second connection which i only discovered more recently when i discovered this incredibly rich safer rays of wisdom and this was a nondescript cover kind of a I was later to learn that it's the cover, um, the view from Machon Yaakov, which was the home of Rabbi Sisyahu for the past, the the intellectual and spiritual home for the past 15 years, the last 15 years of his life. And it's a a beautiful little picture um, with the rays of of the sun creeping up um, in Harnof, but otherwise, it's a pretty nondescript book, at least the look of it, the cover, the chizonias of it. But then I opened it up. When I saw the name Rabbi Matisseau Rosenblum, I, I immediately knew who it was. And I had heard that his, his Torah would be published uh, under the auspices of Eishel Publications, the wonderful publishing house of Rab Aaron Lopiansky, who was a formative influence on Rab Matisseau uh, the years that he learned a couple of years in the mirror, he would learn with Rabbi Lopiansky. Uh, then he subsequently cataloged Rabbi Lopiansky's tapes and became a big uh, Talmud of Rabbi Lopiansky. Uh, this wonderful, wonderful book, the Torah just jumped out at me. The, the content, the style, the richness, this was, this was a real treasure. And so this, this encounter with, with me and, and Rays of Wisdom just took place um, you know, within the past couple of months. But I, I knew I wanted to share some of the Torah of Rab Matisio Rosen, because I thought that here was a mind who was trained in the very finest, you know, amongst the finest universities that the West has to offer, but makes a, a, a significant turn like his older brothers who went before, three of his older brothers, I think went to Yale before him, uh, his friend Rav Yitzchak Feldman of amik uh, Bracha in Palo Alto was actually the Shadchan that originally got Rav Matisio into into Machon Shlomo, into Rav Beryl Gershenfeld's yeshiva. Uh, it was through the recommendation of, of Rav Yitzchak Feldman, who, who I know from my visits um, out west, um, my cousins, my aunt and uncle, live uh, just a short, a short while from Eimek Bracha in Palo Alto. Uh, another one of these great minds, and in many ways this book, Rays of Wisdom, reminded me of um, Rav yermio Kagan, uh, another Yeli who uh, went on to become a Talmud of Rav Moshe Shapiro, as, as was Rav Matasio Rosenblum. So, you know, the Gemara, Chazal Telas, Hanei Bavloi Tipshoi Shekamu, Kame sefer Torah below kamei you know those foolish Babylonians who, who will not, who will stand for a safer Torah, but they don't understand that wisdom is embedded in human lives and the people, even more than the texts, and and I felt very strongly that I, in my meager, very you know limited way, not having known Rabbi Matizio and, and you know personally, but being just very intoxicated and, and very much drawn to his Torah in, in this wonderful compilation of essays that I, I felt I wanted to share something with, um, with your audience, Rav Ramel, that would capture, I, I think, the uniqueness of Rav Matissio's Torah. And, and I'll try today to, to share a little bit of who he was, of, of the man, because I believe he was a Gavarabah. Um, And we'll also share some of his Torah, uh, and perhaps we'll have an a, occasion to comment on what maybe makes his Torah unique and, and not simply the the vessel with which his rebaim, whether it's Rav Gershenfeld or Rav Lopiansky or Rav Moshe Shapiro, Zatzal, um, what makes his Torah, his distillation, his analysis, his structuring of the Torah, what makes, what makes it unique. Um, but let's start um, at the beginning with, with with the man. And here I'm borrowing largely from a beautiful Hespade, an essay from his older brother, um, Rav Yonasan, that one of the first qualities that, that people associated with Rav Matiso was his Yer Shemayim, that he was a real, his disposition, his personality was such that that fear in, in all of its senses, in, in all of its modalities, Yerah, and we'll talk a little bit today about the Yerah that attends to Chodesh Elul, but that Yerah was, was a dominant motif in his life. And Bionosan mentions that uh, Rav Maltisio would joke that he was perhaps the first baal to become Frum because of a fear of Gehenna. Um, sort of like a Pascalian wager, perhaps. Uh, he was inspired by Pascal, the great French Catholic philosopher who, who made an argument for the religious life from the pragmatic consideration of, of a cost-benefit uh, analysis, that, that being a, a man or a woman of faith is, is simply more reasonable from a prudential and practical point of view. I, I'm not sure if, if, that, if that reference was something that Rav Matisseau um, held on to. He was a brilliant student at, at Yale. Uh, straight A's um, would, would read widely in politics and philosophy. Uh, there's an apocryphal, perhaps apocryphal tale in the, in the Rosenblum family, there are five Boys in the Rosenbaum family. I, I think I remember hearing son saying that they all became Frum um, at different stages in their life. So you can you imagine a family, a sort of a middle class, um, fairly secular Jewish family in, in you know, the Midwest, uh, all five brilliantly educated Ivy League schooled educated sons go on to, to become Frum, but at the age of four, he, was no, he had said an offhand comment that if you want to go to Amherst College, you should apply early decision. I mean, the fact that such language and that vocabulary was even a, a part of his mindset at the age of four suggests that, that we're dealing with a real Eloy here. We're dealing with a real, uh, a real genius of, of intellect. And, and certainly, his academic record bears that out. Um he eventually makes his way to Eretz Yisrael, Uh was, you know, initially reluctant he wanted to strike out on his own. And by then, three of his older brothers had already become Frum and they were married with kids. And he makes his way through a a, a series of I don't know, providential, fateful events to, to live with his brother of Yonasan. And like I mentioned earlier, his his former friend from Yale, Yitzhak Feldman, makes the connection to getting him to Machon Shlomo. He spent years in Machon Shlomo under Baruch Ber- 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 Gershenfeld's tutelage, uh, then on to Merkaz Torah for two years, and on to Rabzi Kusalewski, Heichal Torah for 10 years. And then finally, by amassing all the learning and the shimush of Tamina Chachamim, he, he basically joins Machon Shlomo, Machon Yaakov rather. Where he resides for the last fifteen of his year, years, fifteen years of his life as the as a as the kind of me- a mentor uh, along the way, he's he's developed this strong relationship with Rav Aaron Lopiansky, sitting and learning by Rav Moshe Shapiro. I want to share some some of Rav Matisio's Torah and try and suggest, you know, the kind of s- structure and. Intellectual architecture, or the architectonic of his of his Torah, why it it impresses um, beyond the kind of Likut of, of, of individual sources, but how it it comes together in a in a in a sort of systematic way, maybe not as systematic in some senses as as the work of yermio Kagan, but still nevertheless quite quite impressive in its scope and its reach. Um, and this Torah is about Elul. We're about to embark, we're about to begin Chodesh Elul, Erev, Erev, Rosh Chodesh. And, and Rav Matisio begins by acknowledging that in the days of old, in the Alterheim, Chodesh Elul would be greeted with Ema and Yira, Pachad, say over from Rabbi Yisrael Salanter that in, in, in Vilna, when he was a young boy, he remembered that the faces of all the mispalm would turn a, a absolute blanched white when the shliach tzibur would, would recite the birkasa chodesh for chodesh elul, that, that sense of awe, that overwhelming sense of fear, that's what chodesh elul invokes, that's what it, it cultivates in our mindset, in our consciousness. And yet, and yet, we still have to contend with an alternate reality, a different dimension of chodesh elul. We know Famously, the the acronym that's associated with Chodesh Elul, Anila Dodi veDodi I am to my beloved as my beloved is to me, from Shira Shirim, which Rav Matisio references that it's really the, the Sefer Harokeach, the Yain the Harokeach, Gedolei Chasidim Ashkenaz, that is the first to make this association between Chodesh Elul and and the pasuk in Shira Shirim, a very different kind of. Modality, a very different kind of temperament, a very different kind of set of associations, the associations of love, of yearning, of of a coming together, of a passion. How do we square the element of fear? How do we reconcile this aima and pachad and yira that Elil no doubt brings on with this other sense of love, of reconciliation, of passion? Where where does the idea of fear fit into this ideal of and begins with a definitional exercise. What exactly is the yira that we're talking about? What is the fear that, that Chodesh Elul is meant to evoke? And he says that it's a particular kind, it's a particular sugh, it's not an undifferentiated fear, a generalized fear. It's a very specific kind of fear that's associated with Chodesh Elul. The fear that's known as Yiras chet, that to translate it in a more precise way, and here, again, he's sort of going against the grain of, of our sort of commonsensical associations. It's not a fear of sin. It's certainly not a Yiras Ha'onesh, and it's not even a Yiras Ha'romamus, which he categorizes in, in I think, a very philosophically rich way, that Yiras Chait is literally the fear of my own lacking. The fear of my own lacking. He quotes the postage in Malachim Aleph, in Perak Aleph, where Bat Sheva is pleading to the dying David Amelech to appoint Shlomo, her son, as the rightful heir in the Davidic line, not Adonia, who is a pretend, a a wannabe um, king. And the Lushen that she uses is very interesting. She says, "If, if you don't if you don't appoint David ani ubni shlomo chataim ani ubni shlomo chataim so chataim in that context likely doesn't mean we're sinners i mean what did we do we didn't do anything to to be considered a sinner in this context but what we would be we'd be lost we'd we'd lose our identity we'd lose our standing we'd lose who we are if Adonia would be chosen so from this puzzle and, and from the the morale that he quotes in the name of his Rebbe Raber Gershenfeld, that the idea of fear of my own lacking, Yira's Khait is a fear of one's own nothingness, of a fear of one's own dependence, a fear of one's own fragility. Unlike Yiras Haonesh, which is an external force, some objective external force that is gonna come and challenge you, or alternately Yiras Haromamus, which is a fear of the larger entity, the larger being, the larger ontologically or philosophically real being of a Kadosh baruchu. that's what Yiras Aromas, both of those, Yiras ha'onish and Yiras HaRomus, both have in common a kind of objectivity to them. They are outside of the human spirit or outside of the human subject. Whereas Yiras Chait, in the way that Rev understanding it through the Maharal, is a fear of my own lacking, my own subjective, perilousness, my own subjective dependence on a Hu for existence, for all all goodness. And here the theme of fragility or the feel of dependence is so pronounced. The fact that we can live lives and of course Raman Montesio felt this powerfully viscerally in his own life, the sense that a cancer was eating away at his at his brain and, and it was taking his life. It, it he it was very he he was also, I think this was said by his brother Rav Yonason, that he got closer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu as his life was being taken. He quoted Rav Volba in Alei Shur that this madrega of being closer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, so few of us can actually become closer to God when He is actively taking our very life essence, our very vitality away. But Rav Matisio was able. To, to see that as, as God's closeness, that his dependence and his fragility was simply the flip side of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's own hashkacha, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's own connected dependence and fragility that Elul is meant to evoke, is meant to, to really conjure up. Because we just read in last week's Parsha, Parsha's Ekev, the only real reference to the dimension of Rosh Hashanah being a, a day of sustenance. For the entire year, in Perak, Yud Aleph, Pasuk Yud Beis in Devarim, Eretz Asher Hashem Elokecha doresh Osa Tamid Enei Hashem Elokecha Ba Mereshis Hashana Ad Achris Hashana, that the land of Israel is such a providential land that God's presence, God's knowing, loving presence is is upon the land from the Resis Hashana to Achris Hashana. And Rashi on the spot says, Rashi Sashana is Rashi Sashana. And we're Nidon al-Sofa. The entire year is, is determined by the energies of Rashi Sashana. So if Rashi Sashana is Rashi Sashana, Akris Sashana is literally Elo, the end of the year. It's the last, it's the dregs, so to speak, of the year. So he brings this beautiful analogy from nature, Rav Matisio, that just like in a natural spring, The water is so much more pure. The water is so much more crystal clean and clear when it's nearest to the source. But the further away you get from the source, the water then becomes more likely to be contaminated, more likely to be impure, more likely to be muddied. That, in a sense, is our year with Achri Sashana being Elul, where we're so dependent on what's coming, but we're already losing that vitality. So it's the time precisely where our energies are at a, 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 an ebb or a, a low point where we need to double down, so to speak, on our dependence on our Kaddish Baruch Hu, making that recognition. And that's why, paradoxically, it's precisely at the time where we have Yir Aschait, where we have that sense of the fear of my lacking, the fear of my nothingness, the fear of my total dependence and fragility. That's precisely when we can evoke that, Response that mutuality through Hakarish Baruchu of Ani Ledodi, Vidodi Lee. I see what's lacking in myself. I see what's missing. And yet I still call out Ani Lidodi. I still reach out to that source. And reciprocally, Hakarish Baruchu returns that love with his energy, with his being. He, he cites a few very powerful Gematrias. You know, Avrama, I'm not a big Gematria guy, but these were really quite remarkable. Achris which Achris Shana is 619, and the very next number, 620, is Kesser, which is also another form of rashes, of the source of vitality, the source of all being, the source of all reality is Kesser, that will, that rutsun of a So that that So it takes that one little step from the Achris Akrishana of Elul to that Kesser of Rosh Hashana. Another similarly, Powerful theme here is Elul is in the Bechina of Bina. So Elul is Gematria of 67, Bina is 67, and we know that Bina and Ima have, a, have a, a, an analogous relationship, that the Bina, the wisdom of knowing, of, of knowing one's limitations, knowing one's dependencies, this is what can cultivate the loving arms and, and embrace of the Ima. Of, of a Kadesh Baruch in, in that manifestation. You know, Socrates, and this is something that Rab Matisio, I'm sure knew well from his Yale maybe directed study or his study of the classics, that Socrates, the great father of, of Western philosophy, claimed that to realize that one does not know is the greatest form of wisdom. But that's a principle. That's a pure, cold, calculating principle of reality. But in Yiddishkeit, it's not just that we know our dependency is a source of wisdom but our dependency actually creates the loving embrace of of an ima of an abba of a karish where it's a, a personality that embraces us not a mere principle of, or an ideal a philosophical a, a, a kind of cold calculating philosophical stripped down principle but the loving embrace of a being of a, of a reality of the ultimate reality of a karish he then turns from this what he calls he doesn't call it this but I'm using the terms that I'm sure he had in mind the subjectivity of the human's experience of dependence and fragility. He then flips the conversation to the objectivity from a kaddish baruchu's vantage point kaviyachol. What is elul kaviyachol from a kaddish baruchu's vantage point? And here we have to see that elul is pure rutzon. Elul is what precedes the bria. Elul is the time before there's a fixed reality, before there are the laws of nature, the laws of physical nature, the laws of spiritual nature. It's a time of fluidity. It's a time of endless possibilities. Elul is this time of pure zone, And that zone that precedes the Bria allows us to come even closer. There are no rules. There's no limits on our love. There's no limits on the love that we can receive. That's from a kaddish baruchu's vantage point. And what he does, and here is, I think, a, a bit of, of the insight or the uniqueness is he's taking these traditional Torah sources, whether it's the Maharal, whether it's Rav Volbe, whether it's Rav Moshe Shapira Zatzal, whether it's the Baruch Tovim V'Aruchim, Beryl It's structuring it in a way that the reader sees there's a sequencing, there's an order. He was very misudar as a thinker, of Matisseu. And you see that move from the subjective realm of the human being's sense of fragility to the objective realm of a Kodesh Baruch Hu, of his being, of his essence, of Ratzon, that precedes the actual Bria. I want to just conclude as a kind of epilogue from Chodesh Elul to Kodesh Chishrei, we moved from Elul to Keser, or Achris to Keser. And Keser, the Malchus that I think Rav Matisio Rosenblum realized was not just a sovereignty of God over the Bria of all nature and reality, but it was a sovereignty of a Kodesh-Ros Bria over the mind, over the intellect, that, that Yiddishkeit, that Torah was capacious enough to include all of reality, history, nature, science, politics, Rav Mataisio was interested in it all. He knew, he knew it all. He had a, a grasp of the whole world, not just of nature and science, but of the world of thought, of human creativity, of politics, of literature, of history. And Keser and Rosh Hashanah, Malchus, teaches us that the same way we see we're subject to Kaddish Baruch Hu, his, his will, his rules, his laws, it's also our intellect needs to be mishubad it needs to be subjugated to Akadosh Baruch Hu's Keser and Malchus, the idea, in the realm of intellect, in the realm of ideas, in the realm of thought, everything has to come through the crucible of Torah, every, all forms of knowledge and wisdom, legitimate forms of knowledge and wisdom. I think he remained interested and, and, and curious. It paled in comparison to Torah and to Shas and Poskim and Machshava and Kabbalah, but the sense that all of the world was under the, the malchus of a Kadesh Baruch Hu wasn't just a statement about, about the world order, but it was a statement about the mind and all ideas, that it's a comprehensiveness that embraces all of reality. And I think we have so much to learn from a man who, who changed his life to, to be a, an Evet Hashem who used his intellect, his God-given intellect, which was formidable, to be Marbit's Torah. And I, I can't, Recommend enough this wonderful this wonderful safe arrays of wisdom. I I only wish I I did meet Rav Matiso Rosenblum because I would have loved to have to spoken about him with him in Torah in in philosophy in politics. Uh, it would have been a, a great Tanug. Um, but I'm comforted by the reality that this book, um, the the final connection, which is a very again hashkacha, the book is a collection for the most part of exchanges of letters between Rab Matiso and a Talmud of his from Machon Shlomo. I mean, from Machon Yaakov. This Talmud, his name is Jordan. Jordan is a Talmud of mine too. I met the same Jordan. I'll leave his last name out to to retain his anonymity, but he's someone that I still am in touch with. Um, Someone that I met about 15, 20 years ago. Um, and he was obviously so shaped by Rav And and uh, we shared then in some, the, the Kesher is not just, I, I'm i a friend of his older brother, Rav Yonasan, but we share a Talmud in some way, Rav is was much more of his Rebbe than I was his Rebbe, but uh, the lives that were impacted, there are many, many Jordans that are out there, and each of us can be a Jordan to, to the Torah that Yo had- um you know, you mention
0: the the nobility of many people and it seems like this was the case with Matizio, who used their illness as a means to shape a, a mentality and an understanding where they weren't bitter but they actually recognized that god was close to them obviously Chazal tell us this when they talk about shekhinah uh, is But I think the Rabbi Yosef Mitrani in the, the Mabit already uh, in, his, in, 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 in analyzing the Pesach, which the Rambam uses as the source for tefillah, Pesach and Parsha's Mishpotim, the Avadatim es Hashem elikeichem ubeireches lach es meimecha. And that's the Avodah that all of us do every single day to be Oveid. And then, which is speaking Beloshan Nistar, but then it says, which is, right? So, in other words, we're when we're healthy. We want that lechem and mayim. We want to be able to have the sustenance that we need, that we should be going on that straight path, uh, path of health and avodas Hashem. But then, I will, in other words, it's not. God, with the chola, God himself comes to take the ma'cha out. Because, and I think that's mamish muchrach in the Pusik itself, as you can see. And and it's obviously a great struggle for those, uh, whether it's a national tragedy or an individual tragedy in their lives, uh, to be able to sense God's closeness while, as you say, they're dying from a terrible, aggressive uh, situation. Um, One other thing I think Maybe our listeners would be interested in as I know Mark, as your uh, your comments here, your husband and Harocha here have indicated that you prize not only intellectual um, perceptions and explications, uh, but also you prize the power of expression. Uh, do you find that this book is the type of book that uh, is written has a lyrical and impressive way of writing? Uh, we know that a lot of writing sometimes is sometimes
1: overdone or yeah, sometimes it's not overdone that... if anything it's understated there's not there it, there isn't lyricism per se, but there's precision and there's clarity which has its own music and its own poetry it, it's not overwrought at all um that doesn't strike me at all you know as as a congenial quality to what, what Rav Matisio was all about again oh, i didn't uh... I didn't know him so i i, I I can only imagine, given, you know, how I'm reading him and, and what I've discussed with friends and relatives of, you know, and Tamidim of his. Um, but the the written work here is very, I would say, not sparse or spare, but not flowery. It's it's precise and clear and lucid. Um, and that is exactly what you want in a Sefer on Mahshava, which I would say most of this, should be classified as Mavstrava. Oh,
0: well, you know, again, Bob is here, and Bob has written a number of works in English. Um, it's a very uh, heady trick to be able to take uh, concepts which reverberate so strongly in the original language and and not cheapen them or overdo them uh, in translation to English. I don't know. You know, um, again, uh, I, I think his Rebbe Aaron Lapiansky has mastered the trick in a way uh, in, in the essays that I've read. Um, you know, I, I would say even you're the person that you, uh, that I, we both, I think, admire so much, the Rav. Um, you know, sometimes the Rav, especially- in The Rav hal- can be more lyrical. That's what I mean. Yeah. The Rav, in, in, in especially in halakhic mind yeah. and, and other places, you, you got to go back five times to be able uh, to catch it. And,
1: yeah. And, 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 so this and, is very readable. This is, I think, because of the precision and the clarity, the ideas are able to speak for themselves without the language getting in the way, if that makes sense. In other words, yeah. the language is not an obstacle to the idea. Is the is uh, the 19 letters or the,
0: the letters of Ben Uziel. It really was, again, I'm not saying Chorev is magnificent, and the parish on on Chumash is really again it's it's, it's it's standing the test of time
1: as, um, as an epistolatory contribution to the world of torah i think this this rates very high so i'm saying it's similar yes. to
0: in the nineteen letters, part of what what gives it its dynamism is the fact that you know it's it's a mentor speaking to someone else yes Does, and, 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 and we know even from you mentioned Plato before, even in plato 's dialogues part of what or even the Kuzari, in, in another way, um, part of what allows the reader to latch on is the framing device of a letter. Does does it have a little bit of of a progression, like the letters progress from topic to topic as Jordan is becoming closer, or is it just really? Um, uh, just, again, I'm not trying to diminish it. I'm just trying to uh, to, to tease out. It from is you. a
1: progression, but it's not it's not directed by the progression. It's more the themes. You know, cover, you know, cover a range of topics, and and there is some continuity across all of the of the letters, of course, in terms of certain yasodos and certain you know cat- categories that are invoked. But there's not there's not a huge arc. At least I can't discern one in terms of the letters. The first the the book is consists of three sections. The first section are the letters, and then the second and third section are essays um, of different sizes. In many
0: ways, for for people, a dissonance between the end of the summer and Elul. Um, And it's not just, it's obviously become more pronounced in our leisure uh, society where everybody is coming back from vacation, etc. and and, and where their brain has been. When you talk about Ahris Hashanah, uh, being so far from that original life-giving right. brook from the beginning, right. I, I think that's especially for our modern American or, or or whatever culture it is in Europe, especially Mark, where holiday is 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 almost a, a, like like a disconnect from so much of what what made you know service uh, constant service of God possible. You can imagine well, what it was. Even, you know, like El was sort of a shock because here, here they were. You know, I was just at the water park, right? I was just someplace else. I was just wherever it was in Marenbad, wherever I was, and now my avoda. You know, I have to now put on the crown of avoda, and I think that, that
1: that's 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 interesting. Yeah, um, I think we could play. I think that's the Bria is meant to reflect that dualism or that dialectic, because I think human nature. Itself is attuned to that, and we we might even thrive with that sense of you go. This realization that you're at a, a low point can create that impetus to to really pick oneself up. I, I think that that creates the opportunity of realization of where you're at, and then the aspiration to to go further and get back to the you, so, you know to that rajas. I, I think that that to me. Is a very purposeful feature it's not it's not a a um i understand it's it's, it's you know, not, it's not just, an error or not a a problem it's, right. it's a
0: feature but you but you re, you re, you realize how for most people the dissonance is so powerful yes and and and, and therefore it, it, it's very hard to make that leap um i just say one last thing the chassidim you know again you mentioned uh, in, in Hasidic sources, there is so much about, you know, tuba and other things about our yom before the Bria. I'm sure people have been talking about that. So, and, and the Shabbos before the Bria. Um, so again, but you realize for, for, for a skeptic, it's difficult to be tough face that, you know, in other words, for someone who's, who who comes, even if he's very well, uh, his source, he's well sourced and he agrees with the essential, I want to be macabre mitzvahs, but then to start thinking about, well, since we say, according to this misora that betishrei nivra olam, and it was hafei so therefore this period before is this period where God is, is anything can be possible. You really need, and, and as you indicated, I think you really need to buy in to the medrashic, Hasidic, mystical, kabbalistic sense of things. I think a pure rationalist, would have a hard time you know saying, like, okay, I, I accept that somehow like Dubsmy Hoffman says when he talks about the lo- how logical it is to say this is the beginning of, of, of the year because of, of the way uh, because of the, the climate, because of it because of what's happening in terms of planting, in terms of what has occurred, like, it's logical that this should be the beginning, but to actually start thinking and saying, well, before the beginning, we have the super beginning like before that beginning i think to buy into it you have to really have a hasidish heart in other words i think to... you have
1: to have a supernaturalist orientation um yes. and to the extent that that non hasidim don't don't enjoy that same openness to supernaturalism perhaps then then it's a challenge for for those parts of uh, of our you know yiddish welt right you, you... but i think you're right that it assumes that you could think of the world um, not just as a concrete place of material, you know, re- reducible reality, particles, you know, atoms banging yeah. into each other, but that right, there's but, but, a but there's force also, that animates
0: it all, there, and that there was a force before. Right, right, but there's also, Mark, if you think a little bit deeper, there's also like an inherent contradiction. On one hand, there was no Zman before the
1: Bria, right? In other words, at the yeah, that's moment, the point, that there was, there's no Z- Zman is a limitation right. on human consciousness. Uh, as con, you know, right, right, the, right the time but we, but and we place. are using a Zman to
0: say it's no Zman. In other words, Zman begins at right? Before that there is no Zman. So to say this was the period, in other words, it, it really is more like, like a period
1: Z- before there's ordered reality. Yeah, right, but again, but that could be khafe. that could be any time from where we're coming yes, from. Yes, 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 I, yes. Okay, but it's from, before the bria, and it could have been it could it was eons before the bria. You know, whatever. The but there was, was no about.
0: eons anyway. There was, it was no
1: in, infin, infinite, infinite, yes. you know, infinity. Right, right. But it's so, pre bria. That's the, the the nakuda is that it's before. Hashem manifests in a bria in a creation from there are our perspective. There from, are, from our perspective, yes. that
0: we are that we yes. only conceive of see things those, the, based yes. on time we only see this, things from time and place this yes. would be a time for time us before that. Yes. this would be a time for us to tap in in yes, our, to in into our into mind that pa- yes. to that idea because yes. now we might be
1: mesugal to understand that and the zman we believe that the time is not just quantitative but it's qualitative that Elul because it precedes Tishrei does have a of the zone undifferentiated from, from the structures of, of time and place and reality Right. Because that's what that's what a pre Tishrei time will always have. Because it is it's not just quantitative; right. but it's qualitative. Look, right.
0: right. you know, look, I, you know I, I would have loved to to meet Rabbi Benjamin. But again, you know, Mark, I play a lot. I dance in a lot of chasnas. A, a, a skeptic could really really say, okay, you're right. The rokeach, which is the parashan Shira shirim that was erroneously attributed to the Ramban, that's what he was referring to, um, and it's it, it is the rokeach. But again, you would want to be between me and you. there is some Zoar about U Bosoviima Ye elo. you would have wanted Elo to really rear its head in many more midrashim than it does. right? In other words, considering the giant footstep that it has, a, a Godzilla-like.
1: <laughs> it's our Masora, like, but that's right,
0: what Masora is. Right, but but you would like to find some oh here's this Medrish, here's this Medrash. Yeah. It's almost it's almost not there, which is
1: really incredible. I'm not saying it's not in the Rishon. Well, that's in- what his, his footnote, Rav, Rav Matisel's footnote on the Pasagon akiv Rashis ha- Hashanah al Shana, that it's the it's the it's it's hear- the only reference in Humish. In in Chumash, Russian is Yom. We get right, maybe Yom is Yom Trua, right, right. Shofar. Right. But this idea that it is this right. time—I'm
0: saying—you would have liked to see, like, yes, like okay. you would like to see a medrash that says Rav Shmuel Bar Nachmeni said, "El Husman for true. Again, you have it doesn't you, bother me. <laughs> no, well, we we are comfortable with the way the world's. So you almost skeptically feel, and again, we're here among friends that. This is we created evil because we needed it. You know, we we needed this evil. true. It's true. Yeah. It was already created by the Go, by the R- rishonim who were saying Slichus, Those are boym yom. But it was. But again, we we we
1: extracted it. We elevated okay. it. We elevated it. <laughs> to That's the point fine. That, you, I think it resonates with a reality that is in the human soul and that reflects reality cosmologically and and ultimately. So in other words, I think it's, it's the human soul reflecting on our reality. It's, we're a microcosm of, of, of being and reality. So it resonates with us and we, we amplify it because it, it's important to us. It, it strikes a, a note of, of urgency and need. Right. Uh, and again, and it's interesting. That... I think, if you read the book, I think any intelligent, you don't have to be already from to, to see the wisdom and the sophistication of his of his system of his system of torah ideas but obviously the more you are immersed in torah the more these these ideas do resonate and they do fill a, a place in your consciousness as as MS. um but i don't think it's he's not only talking to an in crowd or, or a already converted audience right
0: I, I, again I mean, one last little point here about and again this is just things that are suggestive um, you know in, in, in obviously uh, the kabbalistic world uh, takes a lot of training to be able to not only say the phrases but to also inculcate them within sure. you and live them be able to explain yes. them so when we talk about bina and ima yeah. you know which is the way the zohar refers to the sphira that's known as bina or the Med- inyan of bina bina versus chokhma um you're right. The phrase conjures up the idea of mommy theorist or mommy who loves you, mommy who's supposed to take you. But but we realize that really bina, in many ways, is a, uh, and I think this fits in with din. Bina is is, is 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 what's marchiv, but gives shape and form in a way that automatically limits. Again we, we you know, it, it's interesting, we do you not know, we do say avinu, malkeinu, right? Um, and the av is always suggestive as the, he'll be compassionate, he'll love you no matter what, your father will love you. This idea of the mother of Bina, I think needs, uh, again, a, a little bit of a background from the Kabbalistic perspective, because we know what happens with Bina is, is that even though it is called mother, but it's mother, more of a din mother, than it is, mm-hmm. you know, Barbara Billingsley in um, "Leave It to Beaver," mother. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, you know, it's it's so in a way, yes, it, it is connection to mom, but not yeah. necessarily not necessarily mom who 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 will wipe the chocolate off your face and say so that was my
1: that that's my own um, contribution to he he. It's Rav Matiso who invokes the the relationship between. Bina and Ima, but the idea, I mean it's implicit in Rav Matis Yo that, that there is the relation, the, the relational, it's not just a principle of knowing one's limitations intellectually or or existentially, but re- then relying on this person, the ultimate person of, of Baruch Hu in the manifestation of, of Bina Ima that connects to you in a more in, in a more existentially relational way not just a, a pure matter of of intellect or absence of intellect that's and i i may have uh i, I may have added or 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 emphasized that dimension of the personal the loving more than rav matizio would have perhaps I, I i don't know but it, it oh, strikes okay. me that i was being faithful to my oh, but right. perhaps extending it beyond Maybe we're well, going be comfortable. If, which is well—that's well—that's
0: what all, all all good learning is based <laughs> on talking and extending. If a book, right. <laughs> if a book just sits on the, if a book just sits there and resonates and is oft quoted but not necessarily parsed and discussed, then that book has an interesting life but not a vibrant life that you would want. And I I know you've done a lot to help make that happen for Ramatios.